Are you good? Are we good? Are you good? Am I good? We're all good. So, let's eat. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. What shields? You're sparkling officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrick. Plain, simple, Garrick. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. This will shortly become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. And for Starfleet, one of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland, Paul Spataro, and Dr. Bill Robinson. Bloody hell. Hello and welcome to Listen to the Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. Uh, we are once again here. We are actually, we are not on uh, Taraknor. I, I, I think we have all been sucked over to Empoknor for a, for a Ducat rave party. It's always nice to be sucked over. <laughs> and that is, uh, that is, um, oh, uh, Andy Amin Leyland. Who else do we have with me, with us? I I am Dr. Dr. Bill Jones Robinson. Oh, these are terrible, terrible cult jokes. What was what was uh, something Davidian? Uh, we have uh, Paul Koresh <laughs> of the Branch Davidians. Branch of Davidians. The Branch Davidians. The Branch at Put Noirs. And uh, oh, what was that guy with the Hellbot Comet? That guy. Uh, that was that was Mbop Comet. <laughs> yeah. That's the. Mm, we have Dave Mbop Pascarella. How's it going? The comet's on its way in to pick us all up. Yeah. Mbop. All right, Andy, I'm sorry. We're going to have to cut your solo for time. So. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so, so today we are covering... Indiana Jones! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> the Ark of the Covenant. Very good. Ah. How long okay. have you been planning that? I don't know. That was It was just happenstance when it didn't even happen on my watch on somebody else's watch because it definitely wasn't here it was genius whatever yeah. it was yes i think that was paul or dave but neither one of them's gonna fess up so never admit to anything ever <laughs> shut up yoda god darn it all these phone interruptions anyway we are covering season seven episode nine covenant a cult of terror Open your heart to me. Holds Kira hostage. Fifty people are going to die. Now she doesn't have a prayer on the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Directed by John Kretschmer. Written by Rene Ichavaria. Featuring music by David Bell. Guest appearances. A whole lot of people. If you're interested, go look them up. And of course, we have Mark Alamo as Gold Ducat. So, the plot goes like this. Odo wishes he shared Kira's belief in the prophets so he could spend time with her during worship. I just gotta stop right there. Is Odo becoming like the most whipped boyfriend ever? Yep. He has a right. Wish- He's not becoming anything. <laughs> I wish I could be Oh, just, just stop it, man. Grow. Just simulate a spine, for God's sakes. He Thanks. just makes it bad for everybody else. <laughs> exactly. 
Exactly. Oh, and what do you want to do, Norris? What do you want to do? Shut up! No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing? A bucket? <laughs> 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 the rest the rest of us will whip the old fashioned we earned it. <laughs> you just turned into whipped cream. Okay. We continue with the plot. <laughs> the sermon does, that does day was <laughs> unlike Odo. Oh <laughs> The sermon that day was given by Vedic Fala. Fala? Fala? Fala Fala? La, 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 la. Who visits Kira in her quarters later to give her a gift. Which is quickly revealed to be a transponder that beams her off the station. Whoosh. Kira finds herself at Empoch Noir. Noir? Noir. Noir? Empoch Noir. Noir. It would all be just an old, uh, you know, gangster show. Anyway. It'd be only black and white if it was Empoch Noir. Yeah, exactly. Now, inha- now inhabited by 50 Bajorans who believe that the power rates are the true prophets of Bajor. The leader of their cult is none other than... Wait dun, for it. Dun, dun, dun. Ducat. The Bajoran's faith in Ducat is so strong that when Kira threatens to kill Ducat with a phaser, many of them place themselves in Kira's line of fire. Kira is knocked unconscious by one of the cult members waking up in Ducat's quarters. Falafala introduces Kira to cult members Benyon and Mika. Mika will soon give will give birth soon. Oh yeah, she will. While Benyon <laughs> is seen working on a mural showing Ducat in a friendly pose with Bajorans. Aww. With the Celestial Temple as background, Kira is not convinced. When Mika gives birth, with the whole station's populace waiting in the lobby, the baby turns out to be, wait for it, half Cardassian! Shocked at first, <laughs> I'm shocked at this revelation, du- <laughs> Ducat improvises a speech! It's a miracle. <clears throat> a speech in which he calls the baby a miracle from the parades. Bullshit. <laughs> a sign of proving their faith in Ducat. But Kira is immediately certain that Ducat is, in fact, the biological father of the child. No kidding. Mika and Ducat have a conversation, in quotations, in an earlock? Ear in an airlock. <laughs> In which I, Ducat, ha- I have I have all my conversations like this in airlock. <laughs> in, in which Ducat states that the child is his, and he promises to stand by her until she gets sucked out the airlock. But as soon as he gets out, Ducat closes the inner door of the airlock and opens the outer door. Correction, sir. That's blown out. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> I says Mika is nearly blown out into space, which I was getting ready to say but survives, though with severe injury. The doctor reports that Mika is likely to recover fully. Oh, crap. Ducat calls the incident an accident, but prays to the paw rates, concerned that his followers will discover what he has done. Hmm. Ultimately, Ducat decides to have the majority believers commit mass suicide and announces it in a special service. He then confronts Kira, describing how the poison he intends to use will reduce the body to dust within a few hours. Locked in her quarters, Kira hears Ducat's sermon and discovers a way to break out. She arrives in the promenade just in time before Ducat... Ducat? Ducat? He's French now. Ducat swallows his suicide pill, knocking it out of his hand and into the floor with the other pills. (laughs) Ducat then tries to find his pill amongst the others. Kind of like Indiana Jones trying to find that diamond in that that bucket of ice hits the floor in uh, Temple of Doom. Nothing? No. 
No, no, which, no, that, we applaud your Indiana Jones reference. Yes. At which point, Kira accuses him of trying to use a placebo, having no intention of dying himself. What? With this revelation, the Bajarans turn against him. Duh. Dukat beams out, and Falafala takes a pill, swallows it, explaining his decisions with the word faith. Okay. And Bigora. Ah, Bigora, I'm Bigora, I'm maybe a pile of dust. The Defiant arrives and takes the Bajorans back to DS9. Kira ponders the meaning of Falafala's last words and acknowledges that Dukat may truly believe in what he was doing, making him more dangerous than ever. Mm-hmm. Just how dangerous will he be? We'll Find see. out next time. Okay, that's all we have time for. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Dukat. Mm. I, I thought this episode was very heavy handed. But I <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Do you think it was about cults? <laughs> I loved it. I just was glued to the set the entire episode. I mean not even just the message being about cults, just the, the stupidity of these people and how willing yep. they are to just the, the you know, the herd mentality that they have. It's yep. just like you know, it's it's ridiculous. But it was riveting. It really was. I just loved every second of it. And when the baby came out, Cardassian, I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I loved I loved Ducat's reaction to that. Do it quick on I, his feet. Yeah, it was so <laughs> brilliant. And I love, I like you, I loved everybody falling for it. And Kira's like, wait, what? What the? Back the truck. Meanwhile, the husband's there like, oh, well, I guess it's true. <laughs> I guess it could be that. He, was he the thickest character we have ever had in Star Trek? <clears throat> well, you know, John, I, I, can only, I can only yep. take it as he believed because he really wanted to. You know, he didn't want to believe that his wife would do that to him and all of that. So at least he had a motivation to be as stupid as he was. Self, everybody else was just, yeah, everybody else was just like, well, Ducat said it. Okay. My question as to why he is, is he the thickest ever? Because they have loads of camera shots on him at the end when Kira reveals him and essentially pulls the curtain down. And you can actually see his brain going, what? The, the, well, uh, where, the oh my god I'm just we, watching we, thinking, him Jesus. her the baby oh my goodness gracious <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> oh dear but yeah for the most part I think I, I agree with Paul performances are brilliant across the board I no. love the story it makes perfect sound oh, no. okay let me rephrase that now the visitor and Mark Alamo are brilliant across the board some yes. of the other people not so much but yeah, I, I love this one. Vedic la 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 is just like, you know, really? How stupid are you? <laughs> how stupid are they all? But he's supposed to be a leader. He's supposed to be somebody who's, you know, who's who's helping to guide them. It's just like, you know, come on, you idiot. Clearly he drank the Kool-Aid. Yes. The hey Kool-Aid pill that makes you turn into a pile of dust. <laughs> Guess it makes cleanup easier. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I'm going to take the pill with you. Don't mix mine with yours. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Yeah, Oops. it's a nice a nice little showcase for Nana Visitor after she was taken out a bit for being pregnant. Uh, but there's, the rest of the cast got the week off, didn't they? Is Cisco even in this one? Uh, Did I blink and miss him? Because Quark's serving him drinks at the beginning. Ezri, Dr. Bashir, and Odo were all there. Obviously, it's Kira's episode. I don't even remember seeing Cisco at all. Yeah, I don't either. So the rest of the cast basically got a week off on yeah. full pay. 
Not bad. That's not bad at all. To be fair. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, Dave and Bill, yeah, you haven't kind of given your thoughts yet. What are your initial thoughts on this one? Oh well, I mean, I I kind of voiced some of them during the, uh, you know, the whole thing with you know you know with Odo. Oh oh, I, I'm ordering spring wine because that's what she likes. Oh <laughs> oh man, just back it down a notch, would you? I know that's not the main drive of the episode, but I still found that highly annoying in the opening. <laughs> it's like, but it was, but it's so sweet. Oh my god. <laughs> She's probably happy to be beamed away for a while. Oh my god, he's smothering me. Literally, he just like rolls over in the middle of the night. Get off of me! I can't breathe! So the thing is, Esri's sat there saying it's so sweet continuously with Dr. Bashir at the side, and Dr. Bashir's thinking, Jesus Christ, is this what I've got to do to get into a pants? Man's got to do what a man's got to do. Yeah, I feel a little bit sorry for him. I have to turn myself into a smothering blanket. (laughs) But from, from... Ducat's point of view, this is this is everything he's ever wanted. Oh yeah, oh yeah. The Bajorans to he's bow got, and scrape before him. He's got the cool earring now. Yeah, rips out at the end with such yeah. drama. He's shagging one of them, which is that's always been his fetish. Oh, from oh, very early on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You think he's only doing one? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, you're, uh, you're I wonder how right. more, more Ducat babies are gonna, you know, Colt Ducat is gonna pop up later. Well, do you not think that's why he was like, I'd better kill them all? <laughs> exactly. Oh, they're not going to buy a double miracle. I can see that. <laughs> it's another miracle. It's another. Well, it's the fifth. Okay. Uh, take this pill. I just found it uh, a little hard to believe. I mean, I get these people were very, very weak willed, but it would be like a Nazi becoming a cult leader in a Jewish community 10 years after World <laughs> War II. Doesn't, doesn't the Federation I hate the laugh, kind of keep yeah, track of what's going absurd. on, too? Sorry, go ahead, Paul. What was that? I said, does, doesn't the Federation kind of keep track of what's going on, that this cult is building up over at Terok Noor, and they don't even know it? Or, uh, yeah, you'd think there'd be somebody monitoring, I don't know, a giant space station that could be used for any purposes whatsoever. Like Especially in, in the middle of a war. war. Yes, I was just going <laughs> to say. You've got a full-on space station, though. If not that, it could be used for, if it's abandoned, it could... They should tow it over and have it for ready spare replacement parts for freaking um, Deep Space Nine because you're not going to be getting Cardassian parts anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's strategically it's stupid, stupid that they've left Empok Noir there and done nothing with it. That station should either have been manned by Federation people or dismantled. Yeah, since we last saw it, they should have been... Wor- I think Bill's right. Since we last saw it, the Federation would have been on there trying to get it working because it's another station. It's another place that they can leave troops not that far away from where they need them. So to have it just lying there doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Now, they did say that they've been struggling to grow food and water and what have you. But still, like, yeah, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of spare parts on there they can rip off for yeah. DS9. I mean, that was the whole point of them going there to begin with. Yeah, they've just left it. Ah, well, it's always there if we need it. Ah, we're not going to bother to just, you know, whatever. And and also, um, the Dominion knows where it is, too, because isn't that where they had the other meeting with um, all the Ferengi? Yeah. So you think that the Federation would have laid claim on it, first of all? Towed it yeah. somewhere. Yeah. I, Done something with it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, that... that <clears throat> 
that aside, you know, maybe they shouldn't have put it. Well, we know why they put it on M. Pachnor, because they didn't have to create a whole new set. Like, yeah. On, because it could have been on a planet or a moon or an asteroid or some other out-of-the-way place. Hey, we got another set. Ah, we'll just use it here. Boom. Great. Save some money. Um, also, I ain't going to any meetings that take place in an airlock. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, look! This look at those stars. Whoosh! Would you like a closer look? Yes. Um, trying to think of where else. We, where, what, what, other, what other issues do we have here? What was the purpose in bringing Kira over? Did Dukat wanted her there? And she was going to she was going to swear allegiance to the Pirates? I don't. Well, because don't be, her former mentor Falalalala was there. I maybe that's well, you know, Dukat's I mean, got Dukat's got trying to figure out what logic he had in his mind. It's because, not in his mind; it's in his pants. That's where his yeah, logic is. Dukat, Dukat was thinking for my next birth miracle. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Dukat has always had. I want to say a soft spot, but it's probably not that soft for Kira. <laughs> he he desperately wants and craves her adoration. And I why, think, but it, I'm not bringing her over here. Yeah, but that's because you're not fucking insane, Paul. Oh, people would disagree with you on that. <laughs> Ducat's clearly mad at this point. He's obviously gone off at the deep end here. And like she says at the end, he, he probably believes all this crap that's coming out of his mouth. He He's always believed he's the chosen one. He's always believed he's something special. So, and he's, so and he's jealous be... of, of, of Cisco, Cisco for being yes. the emissary. Yes. Yeah. So he wants to be, you know, to prove that he's the emissary of the Pirates. I get yep. all of that. Uh, what I will say is this, to me, this this belies your conclusion that uh, that he's no longer a valid uh, villain in this series. I think we, yeah, we've, now, I, we've now restored I, I... him. Yeah, let's see where he goes from here, should we? But I've completely forgotten this episode existed. Hmm. Which is one of the delights of going through Season 7. Now, I've only seen all these once, so it is nice to revisit it. I had no memory of this episode at all. I remember the next time we see him being the big conclusion at the end, so this was a nice, pleasant surprise. Well, then then when they say, well, the Master has brought you, I was like, Wait, what, did we slip in the Doctor Who? What's going on here? <laughs> well, originally, honest, when we got that teaser, the Master has brought you, I thought they'd beamed her over to um, the Mirror Universe and it was going to be the Intendant. Mm. I thought it was going to be a Mirror Universe episode. I so liked. did I. I, yeah. I thought it was a Mirror Mirror, too. <laughs> do we have any more Mirror Universe episodes? I do not recall. Uh, I think we have. Yes, got, there's at least one more. Yeah, I was just going to say there's one more where they try and wrap all that up, isn't there? There's one final Mary Universe. Well, I don't know if it wraps it up, but there is one I, more. I, I, I try to wrap it up. I Because I've... Actually, it's one, two, three, three more ahead of us. It's the 12th episode. Oh, right, okay. So it's not far away. Yeah, and right. I think that is the last one. I think that's... Well, it's uh, going to have to be, because how many people are left alive in the Mary Universe? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. They've pretty much bumped everyone off at this point, I think. Which, which, I, I mean, I know we're off on a tangent here, but it kind of goes with, you know, when we've talked about the uh, nature of the Mirror Universe, that all these people would exist in the first place. If this mm. Mirror Universe started, you know, back in the uh, Captain Kirk era or whatever, uh, actually, the theory is it started during World War II. But anyway, 
the fact that these people would exist is somewhat incredulous. And then you add to it that, oh, and the seven years this series is on, we've pretty much bumped off almost all of them. So for years and years and years, it maintained with normal, you know, with, with normal people, totally parallel to what's going on in our universe. But in seven years, we've totally shit canned that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm struggling to remember. It, and O'Brien's still alive, isn't he? In the other one, yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm uh, pretty uh, sure. Because I've actually read ahead. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, as, I as mean, we I read ahead. Here, as we ahead. sit here today, we have 16 more episodes to wrap up the series. So you know, there's not going to be more than one Mirror Universe episode and all of that. And I think that's all there is. So we don't really get to. I'll have to read. The, I've got a Mirror Mirror book. I'll have to read. It's like, but I think it's like fan fiction stories. So maybe I don't want to read it, or maybe I do want to read it. Well, pretty much all the books are fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, I know, but some are better fan fiction than others, and some of those fan fiction are better than what we really got. Diane Duane's handling of the Romulans is much better than anything we've had on screen. The first meeting between Kirk and Picard in the novels is much better than Generations. He, wait, he's not making an omelette in that one? He is not making an omelette in that one, no. <laughs> and, and, you know, not for nothing, but who wants dill in their omelette, please? <laughs> Captain Kirk wants dill in his omelette. He is a dill. He is a dill. Which makes me say, who am I to argue with the Captain of the Rice? Hey, quality gag. Yeah, for the most for the most part, this is a solid entertaining one. It's it's not subtle in what it's about about the danger of cult leaders and charismatic men telling you things that you know maybe you shouldn't be listening to. But it's got two great central performances. But other than that, there's not really a lot to this. Other than, is it not setting up where Ducat goes with the Pal Wraiths oh, in the yeah, finale? It's, yeah, it's definitely right. setting up some of Because <laughs> again, I only I only remember bits of that. But you know, I think they probably should have given us a little bit more of the background of these cult followers. Because they kind of well, we got a little bit just... of the Vedic because he's with Kira. You know, they talk about being in the camps, which that's what doesn't. Okay, if he was a Vedic, that's what I still can't understand how he could follow Dukat so easily. That's my mm. point. I think you know they just present these as regular Bajorans who've decided that this is their new Messiah. I think it would have been more believable if they had been outcasts for some reason, and that's yeah. why they they latched on to him. You know, either, either they were, you know, in, in the poor, desperate community that was looking for something and, you know, he was giving them a better life. Or they were, you know, like I said, outlaws or something. There was something about them that made them not fit into regular Bajoran society. And that's why they would have latched onto him. And then, if that were the case, I think this cult following would have been somewhat more believable. But just to, just to think that over the course of a couple of weeks, really, or maybe even a couple of months, I have no idea what the gestation period for a Cardassian uh, slash Bajoran baby is. But over the course of not a not very Six long months. time, not very long period of time, he's totally got them, you know, that they're, they're willing to stand in front of a gun to, to protect him. If they had been collaborators, it would have made sense. A community of collaborators that took off when Cardassia left. And then mm. that would that that would absolutely be more believable for the cult. But then the problem it would create was what we've already talked about: that how would the Federation be unaware that this is going on under their noses, at you know at, at the other station? Right. Yeah. The 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 major problem with it once you start looking at it is why the hell have they left Empire Noir un, unmanned? Why have they done that? That doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Um. So. 
I guess the one thing about Ducat is that you know his his final speech when they've all turned they've all turned against him and he says the power rates have forgiven my sins they've given me their uh, absolution who are you to presume they're wrong who are you to judge me and it's done our covenant is broken none of you will ever know the love of the power rates none of you i think he really believes that or is he just so self-delusional that he believes that because he actually prays to them and says i was weak i you know i had a moment of weakness it's like i don't know if it's a tribute to the writing or to Mark Alamo's acting, that he's so believable that it's like we don't—you don't really know—is—is is he really self-delusional? Does he I, believe the power rates? Is he both? I think he convinces himself of it, but I also think he's not a 100% believer, or he wouldn't try and stack the deck with the uh, the, su- the fake suicide pact. Mm, that's true. Yeah, I—I I think he's self-deluded because when. Um, when Kira points out about killing Jadzia, how he describes her death isn't actually what happened, but it's probably how he's convinced himself that killing her was justified. Yeah, I think he, he convinces himself that his lies are true. Yeah. He's but just it's, so um, charismatic. He is. He is very charismatic, and he's an exceptionally engaging performer. What I loved about Kira's performance was essentially she goes through this entire episode just eye-rolling at everything he says and does. <laughs> Yeah, but it's every an time excellent. anybody else speaks, she's like, what? Yeah, what are you talking go- about? <laughs> she goes through this entire episode being a complete, what the hell are you guys smoking? She's like David Tennant as the doctor. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, it's it's a great performance from Nana Visitor again. Especially seeing as apparently she and Mark Allen didn't really see eye to eye. Creepy. Yeah, so that's understandable. All things considered, he tries to throw what's his name, his mo- her mum, sorry, in her face again, and she plays that quite well, given that she didn't like that story development as well. And most of most of the time, you can kind of ignore the fact that everybody else in this one is a bit stiff and wooden, if you just concentrate on Kira and Ducat, mm-hmm. who were excellent and riveting every time they were on screen. I agree. Yeah. Ah, all right. Uh, we're up for a rating. Yeah, sure. Hmm. I think I'm going to give it... It's not going to get a five, just because I think the other, you know, the other cult members weren't quite up to snuff with their their performances. Um, So I'm going to give it 4.25 poison pills for for my uh, Bajoran cult friends. Uh, I was kind of torn on this. I really enjoyed watching it and just for pure enjoyment i'm ready to give it a high rating on the other hand there were just some things about it that did bother me the whole existence of the cult and the uh the fact that you know everybody is totally unaware of this going on uh you know i, I just found it a little difficult to swallow uh so i, <laughs> I went back is, and forth is that pun intended <laughs> no uh <laughs> I went back and forth between a 3.5 and a 4, and ultimately, just based on enjoyment alone, I landed on a 4. I was 3.5 and 4 as well, and I went for 3.5, simply because when I ultimately analyzed it, the reason that I enjoyed it as much as I did is down to the two central performances, who are riveting. But the rest of the time, you are sat watching it going, why are these guys falling for this bullshit? And my God, he's a terrible actor. So I'm going 3.5. I, I was right along with Kira all the time, thinking, how stupid are you? Hmm. I, uh, I didn't hate this episode, but... <laughs> I praised. 
I find it deep from day. I mean, if it came on, I probably wouldn't change the channel, but I just couldn't get past the fact of the gullibility of these folks. Gullibility to cut. Gullibility to cut. The the time frame involved that I'm really impressed that he could throw together a cult so quickly. And uh, frankly, when the child was born and it looked like Ducat, all I kept saying to myself was, it would be great if, like, the guy didn't even notice the father. (laughs) Well, he's not not noticed anything else. (laughs) I mean, he's got to notice, right? I don't know. He seems a bit stupid to me. I don't think he would notice. But uh, for all those reasons, uh, I gave it a three. Ah, I'm wondering if... if, uh... Ducat ordered instant cult from Acme. <laughs> you know what? It would have been a better ending if they all took the pills and it turned out he got the wrong shipment and it was the love drug from Mud's women. <laughs> so that's what we say. Anybody care to venture what Blaine says? Ooh, I don't have a good cult song for Blaine. Mm. We probably know some blue oyster cult. Blam 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 blam. What does he say? Does he say? What does Blaine say? Let me me go get my cowbell. Don't fear the Blaine. Don't fear the. So Blaine says, "Hi guys, I'm really starting to think that though some of the episodes this season will obviously better be better than others, we won't get any total clunkers. This may not be great, but it's fine as a piece of entertainment." I find it, find it mainly interesting by noting how little of a nudge it takes to go from the Bajoran, profit-based faith into this fanatical cult. I also choose to believe that Dukat truly is the emissary of the Pa-Wraiths, simply for the symmetry it provides for a final confrontation. Vedic Falah's fall-slash-betrayal in Kira's eyes is interesting, as is her struggle with what his last words meant. This works well on two fronts, escalating Dukat's threat level, if he still has access to being a vessel, as he was in the season 6 finale, and confronting what faith means to both Kira and Odo in their new relationship. It means that Kira does what Kira does, and Odo follows like a puppy dog. (laughs) The, The themes are rich here. I just wish the execution had kept up. I would have liked to see a B-plot more involved than where did Kira go, Blaine. Yeah, I, I don't disagree necessarily with anything Blaine said. So Well said, well said. You know, th- Those are the weaknesses to this episode, but I again, I just found it to be very entertaining overall. So mm. I'm still on board with it. Yeah, I'm still on board with it as an entertaining episode. Not every episode has to have a great plot that makes a lot of sense to be fun. Exactly. So that's it for this week. Uh, email? Uh, yeah, we've only got the one from Tissom Tissom called Rolling Along. Rolling, rolling, you rolling. You get a Tissom Tissom song. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe Andy just sang it. Rolling Along is the title. Listeners. Yeah, there's not all that much to say about some of these mid-season six episodes about which you didn't have much to say. I think Bill had it right when saying that it feels like the show ran out of steam after the opening six episode arc. The Companion has some quotes about how hard it was for the writers to go back to doing Star Trek as usual after feeling like they'd already done an entire season already. It is a bit of an awkward fit for the show to try and do standalone stories at this time, which is why season six doesn't click as well for me as the steady build dread of season five, DS9's best season. Of course, season six contains the magnificent Ferengi, Waltz, far beyond 
Beyond the Stars, as well as two other stone-cold classics you'll have seen by the time you read this. So, go figure. I also hear some people criticise Season 7 for some reason, but I think it does a much better job telling single-episode stories that are fundamentally informed by stuff that happened. Sorry, that shouldn't informed by stuff that happened during seasons one through six we'll see what you think anyway i'm fine with not having much to say about honor among thieves or change of heart although i like them okay hat is a triumph of the ability of good actors to elevate a middling script and swoop is a triumph of the ability of snappy writing to elevate a middling premise agreed with andy that the writing and acting of the wolf dax banter is among the best of the series i'd care more about them as a couple if it was always like that I'd also like to acknowledge the cleverness that the B story seems like an unrelated comedic thing, but ends up also being about the effect Dax has had on other characters. I'm guessing you'll have forgotten this episode by now, but the subplot starts as a thing about O'Brien recruiting Bashir to beat Quark at Tongo, but the twist is Quark identifying Bashir's schoolboy unrequited crush on Dax as a weakness. One thing that didn't come up in the discussion of Change of Heart that I thought was noteworthy is the fact the danger to Dax is sold by the fact the viewer has hopefully already seen the ship and already watched a character die in front of them as a result of getting shot by a Jem'Hadar anticoagulant weapon. A nice example of how the show doesn't require watching every episode but is very much enriched by doing so. And that's all I really have to say about the most recent batch. Some of the series' best and its worst coming up real soon. Best, Ben. Well, thank you, Ben. Yeah, so far I think season seven's been... It's been okay, hasn't it? It's not been dreadful. No. Oh, I, I would say better than that. Uh, you know, it hasn't been dreadful is very faint praise. I've still enjoyed this season. I think yeah, there's you're been right. Good. Yeah. I think there's been some very good episodes along the way. Yeah, you are correct. So far, season seven's been mostly pretty good. Obviously, it's all building up to the big finale, which we'll get there eventually. In about 16 episodes time, I think. Yep. In the meanwhile... What are we doing next time? Next time, our all-new episode of Listen to the Prophets. It's only a paper moon. Trapped in his own private hell. Nog has lost a leg, and that's a traumatic experience. Nog's final retreat. I don't want to go back to my life. Is into a world of pure fantasy. You want to choose a hollow suite program for your rehab? Where the only reality... Dick, he can't hide in here forever. ...is his own fear. Nog, what's wrong with you? I said... Get out! On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Which is an Ella Fitzgerald thing, isn't it? Or is it Martin Thingo Cole? It's, 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 one of those, it's one of those songs that has been done by, you know, it was kind of a standard that all the singers of that day did. I right. have a version of it by Sinatra, a version of it by Sammy Davis. You know, it's, it's, and, and now uh, we'll get one by Vic Fontaine. I, I presume it's a Vic Fontaine episode from that title. Oh, yeah. Okay. Do you know he's in the time tunnel, which is currently being rerun? Yeah. And he's, apart from having completely grey hair now, he's barely changed in 50 years. He's a hologram. Well, there is that, yeah. He's got a hologram that's aging. <laughs> Hanging on the wall. He's, age, he's aging very, very well, is what I'm saying. James Darren. So the guy's dead, isn't he? It's aging better than I am. But we'll see you next week when I'll be uh, two weeks older. <laughs> okay. Not next week, next time. See you next time when I'll be two weeks old. That's kind of depressing. Ta-da! But the difference is, unlike James Darren, I'll look two weeks older. I'll look... I age backwards. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm turning into a giant baby. <laughs> yes, turning. Is it going bo- bad? Bye bye, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye. Listen to the prophets at Deep Space Nine podcast is a two true freaks presentation. It is hosted by Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright CBS and Paramount Entertainment. If you'd like to buy stuff from Amazon, and who doesn't, why not drop by the twotruefreaks.com website, where if you click the little link that we have there, it will take you straight through that site, and whilst it won't cost you any extra, we'll put a few shekels in our tip jar, which helps create content like this. We very much hope you enjoyed listening to The Prophets. Every episode is dedicated to the memory of our pal, Sean Engel. Is this title going to be, he's not the Messiah, he's a naughty boy? (laughs) It is now. (laughs) I couldn't couldn't remember if we used that for another episode, though. I don't think we have. Either that that or Jim Jones Ducat. (laughs) 